Hey everyone, I'm Sheena, co-host of For the Glory KC, and we're back just like I said we would be back. I'm here with Chad, who is beyond defeated as a sporting Kansas City fan. Hey Chad, how are you? I'm depressed, Sheena. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We are the only Kansas City podcast with the husband-wife duo. Chad is the associate editor of KCSoccerJournal.com. And if you're new here, hey, welcome. We are a little unique here. Chad is a hardcore about sporting Kansas City. They are his ride or die, although right now I think he's dying. And I'm your slightly above average fan. And together we discuss Kansas City soccer. Chad will give you the in-depth analysis, and I'll have that more casual perspective. So on today's show, we'll be discussing Sporting Kansas City. Uh, they continue to implode against the San Jose Earthquakes. The KC Current also lose again. But there's good news. Sporting Kansas City, too, are at least winning. And then we have the digital crawl, y'all. So last night, we took a break from soccer to enjoy Chad's other love, UFC. Chad, how did you enjoy the fights last night? Uh, the fights were pretty fantastic. I would say the crowd was really fiery at the beginning. They they got a little bored. Like during the main card, I saw some people complaining that the fans in Kansas City were bad. And I think they just, they wore themselves out. They were there super early. Like you watch on the broadcast of other fights and the crowd is like empty early in the night. And people were there early. I think they, they wore down a little bit. But overall, the fights were really good. Lots of great fights on the card. What was terrible was the almost two hours it took to get out of the parking garage after the fights. It was depressing. And it just, I didn't know at that point that Sporting and The Current had lost their games because I had done a really good job of avoiding my phone. But it feels like the perfect end to what was apparently a pretty terrible night after uh, two hours in the parking garage. Almost two hours. I don't exaggerate. It was like an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And I agree with the fans in Kansas City who were there. They did show up early. Chad and I used to go to UFC when we lived in Phoenix and we've been in Vegas. And in those cities, like people don't show up until like the main card sometimes or when it gets put onto the broadcast. So they miss a lot of the early fights. So I was pleasantly surprised by how packed it was early in the evening. So it was a nice time and a good way to escape the the atrocity that is Kansas City soccer right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you want to talk about that bad Kansas City soccer? <laughs> well, before we get started, I just wanted to say one thing. Uh, when we decided to start a podcast, I don't think we ever anticipated Kansas City soccer would be so awful. If someone would have said Sporting Kansas City 2 was going to be our best soccer team in Kansas City, I would have been shocked. But here we are. How do you feel about that, Chad? Yeah, I, I know you say don't blame us. And it's obviously not our fault. We're not playing. We're not coaching. We're not signing the players. But ever since this podcast has existed, neither team has won a game. So there's got to be. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, it's, it's, of, it's not, a little bit of a even, bummer. No, we didn't even watch the games until this morning, which we're recording on Sunday. But you know, like a lot of you, we're also frustrated and soccer just isn't enjoyable to watch right now. But just because our team is slipping, it doesn't mean we should be changing what we're doing with recording the podcast. So the one thing I try to do in life is give myself perspective. And of course, I'm upset, but I'm not going to let Casey Current or Sporting Kansas City's awful playing affect the rest of my life. Like, I'm sorry, but not sorry. We aren't screaming our anger from the rooftops. And I'm not sorry that we may not sound pissed off enough for people. But at the end of the day, like there's a larger world issues I'd rather focus my anger on. If I'm going to be pissed off and yelling my anger from the rooftops, it's going to be about issues that matter, like mass shootings, crimes, etc. So this isn't that type of podcast. But uh, if you guys want it to be, I'd happily talk about like real issues that matter. But there's a lot of other depressing stuff going on in the world. So we might as well pile on our favorite soccer team to the list. So I don't know if you have anything you want to include or if you just want to get started. Yeah, I'll say real quick, there there was a lot going around that like all the podcasts are too nice to the team and they're not angry enough. And I'm like, 
I'm just not going to scream into a microphone. Apologies. Uh, Kevin, who I know and have met a few times, uh, you guys may follow him, Kevin Cho on uh, Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. And he he did this like screamy rant and people are like, yeah, that's what we need. And I'm like, you can't like, like there's just things that matter more in life. Like, it, don't get me wrong. Sheena said she's not going to let it affect her life. I let it affect my life way too much. Like, it definitely bums me out when the team loses and it it has an outsized impact on my life more than it should. I know sports aren't real and sports don't really matter. Like, it's not, it's supposed to be an escape. But if you think about sports, they're, they set you up to be disappointed. Only one team can win the title every year. Even when your team is good, they're probably not going to be good enough, which is really kind of depressing. I'm a Phoenix Suns fan from years of living in this desert. And, you know, there's no there's no basketball team here, obviously. Bring back the Kings. Uh, but the Suns are so good. Like, they went and they go all in on Kevin Durant. We'll see how that plays out in these playoffs. But it's going to be a bummer if they can't win because they've, they've never won. So at least sporting Kansas City fans can remember a better time when they have won some games. But okay, let's let's talk about the games that happened this weekend. We're, we're off the rails already. Sporting Kansas City hit the road, traveled to the San Jose Earthquakes, and managed to lose three to nothing. Where do you want to start off on that game, Sheena? Yeah, so that game was brutal. Like I mentioned earlier, we watched it this morning, so the game is fresh in my head and probably yours as well. Per like every game this season, they start off looking promising. And then I would say probably within the first 10 minutes, they quickly started to derail. And it's unfortunate because there was some missed calls by the ref. I mean, ultimately, I don't think those I think we still would have lost. But everyone looked bad per the usual. I didn't agree with Peter Vermees taking Felipe Hernandez out after halftime. He's a hustler, and I thought he could have stayed in longer. What do you think? Yeah, the Hernandez thing I definitely had written down as a note. So let's build our way to that. So first off, there's the first goal that's given up. Sporting, there's a cross that comes through the box. If you saw the replay, Robert Balder is just standing there waiting for the ball to go out of bounds. Like, I didn't touch it. Yeah, but Christian Espinosa, who was right behind you, did. And he poked it into the net. So that was a pretty bad look for Balder. I'll I'll defend him a little bit in saying that he's playing out of position. He's playing left back. He's a center back. He's not a fullback. But that's a pretty bad play. But he's a young guy. Young guys are going to make mistakes. I don't think that's the end of the world. I thought the team responded really well to the goal. They looked pretty good. For most of the rest of the first half, I'd say, I mean, they didn't have like full control of the ball or anything. (laughs) I guess the bar is just so low that I'm like, yeah, they look pretty good when they're like kind of not terrible (laughs) for a while. So they looked okay. I disagree. And I'm I'm not okay, obviously, with the goal being given up by Robert Volodair, but because he's so young, like... At least we have a young guy in there trying to figure the game out and get used to being like playing on an MLS team where I feel like Felipe Hernandez, Cam Duke, Jake Davis, you know, some of these other young players aren't getting those same opportunities. And yeah, I guess Felipe Hernandez has started the last two games, but he hasn't played the full 90. So at least like the young guys are the ones making some mistakes. I mean, it was across the board last night, but at least he's getting to get more experience. I don't know if you feel that way. Yeah, I'm definitely happy to see him out there more. Let's get to where the game went off the rails, though. So after... You know, it was a little bit back and forth post the goal. I thought sporting decent buildup, but as always, they can't get the ball into the box and get off a decent chance and finish. But just moments before things went completely off the rails, they had a pretty good effort. Daniel Shallowy plays the ball down the left-hand side of the field. He plays it over the top to Polito, who gets in behind the defense. Every defender is thinking he's offside because he's made such a good run. And I don't think they ever went back and replay to see if he's offside because it didn't matter. <laughs> he got the ball caught in his feet, which, you know, he's got some some rust, right? This is his, what, second start. And then he kind of stumbles a little bit because it's caught in his feet. He plays it back to Shallowy. Shallowy crosses it to Nobody. Well, I don't know. He was probably aiming for somebody. And then the ball gets headed out. A couple passes later, a long pass down the field. Robert Castellanos is caught all alone with Jeremy Abobasi. And he is taken down in the box for a red card. I watched this replay over and over again. And trying to kind of break it down because... Sheen and I listened to the Peter Vermees post-game press conference. It was very short. No one really wanted to ask him anything, I guess. I mean, I wasn't available. I was at the UFC fights. But no one really asked him anything. And the one thing he did bring us up, he thought that wasn't a red card. And I was like, interesting, because I thought live, yeah, it probably was a red card. So I went back and watched it a few times. 
And I see a little bit maybe what he's talking about because Castellanos starts, he definitely fouls Abobasi. And that might be a red card in and of itself, but it started outside the box where the most of the contact was. But then they're still jostling inside the box. Abobasi's got a hold of him, kind of hooks his arm around him. But Castellanos has his arm over Abobasi's right shoulder. And I was like, oh yeah, he pulled him down. Then they show the replay angle from behind him. And it kind of just looks like, Abobasi falls over like he has his hand on his shoulder and he just falls back to the ground and the the play is called I think it probably is going to end up being a red card either way though because he is fouling him he's kind of tugging his arm before they go into the box it just wouldn't have been a penalty kick so they'd have been down one nothing and down a man which obviously is a problem what did you see on either that sequence or kind of anything Anything about that stand out to you? The red card was really unfortunate. I think the frustrating part was that a little bit later in the game, I think it was Daniel Shallowy got taken down. Um, it may have been outside the box or in the box. And to it me, it was definitely it seemed, in the box. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no penalty. And it to me, it's like that seemed worse than what Castellanos did. And that wasn't a red. He got a yellow. But uh, the other thing I was going to bring up was the PK. And we were talking about it as we were watching the game, but Timilia just not great with PKs here lately. And I feel like this is a complaint I see online is that people feel like Peter Vermees has favorites and clearly Timilia is the favorite, but I really think John Polskamp should be starting here on out. I wasn't really for Timilia coming in anyways, because again, Polskamp is a younger guy. He's, I think, the future. And if he's not, like they should release him so he can get his start because he's a good goalie. But I just feel like at this point, we're what, 20% into the season? And more than. Yeah, more than 20% into the season. And we're not winning games. And, you know, we're giving up goals. I think we're giving up more goals than what Pulse Camp did. I mean, he had that one game where he gave up four, but all the other ones, you know, were a lot better. So those are some of the things I saw. I'm I want Amelia to be benched. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I, I thought, I agree with you, Amelia didn't stop that penalty. I'm struggling to think of a penalty he stopped in recent seasons. I think back to, there was this article in The Athletic a few years ago, and it was this reporter that had been chasing around Nick Romando, because Nick Romando was the starter for Real Salt Lake forever, and he Amelia was his backup for a long time, or at least a few seasons. And Romando was great at stopping penalties. And Milia obviously probably picked something up from him. And then they finally interviewed Romando and figured out like how he knows how to stop the penalties. And ever since that article was written, I was like, is that what Milia was using? And now people know not to do that thing. So he's he's kind of stuck out to dry. And then obviously, the older you get, you can't just your reflexes aren't as good. You're not going to be as quick to react. And I think that's putting him in a bad spot a few times. But if you think about Pools Camp getting benched, it was after a red card and a beatdown in the Seattle game. This is a red card and a beatdown in the San Jose game. So by that logic, should either Kendall McIntosh be up next to have his chance or should Pools Camp be back in there? I think I'd be fine with either of those because no offense to Tim. He's great. He might end up as a sporting legend. He's got such a good history with the team. But I would like to get younger across the board pretty much. And there's two talented goalkeepers backing him up that maybe need to get more of a chance. And Pools Camp, I thought, played well. I think the, the Seattle game is a little bit of an aberration, right? You're down a man. There were some weird goals. They didn't put a defender on immediately versus this game. They put a defender in immediately after the red card. So... They didn't leave themselves in a bad predicament with not enough players defending. Not that goal differential is going to matter at the end of the year. It's a tiebreaker, but you got to have to break ties. You got to win games and be in the race for something, which right now I I always keep saying the season. Yeah, you got to score some goals, (laughs) but uh, there's the season is long, but it's it's pretty bleak right now. But again, eight games. It's not the end of the world, but they got to get on a run and they got to do it really soon. It's yeah, I feel like Timilia has been great. Don't get me wrong, but I think. At this point, I would like to see him more in a mentor role. To me, it's like you should be helping build up the future goalies. And I, it sucks to lose your job. And maybe it's a hard reality that, you know, the game is slipping from you and retirement's in your future. But I will be pissed if he comes back on next game. Like he's had a couple games. Have, have we had ties since he's come on or have they all been losses? I can't even remember how many games he's played for. Yeah, he's played for three. He was the goalkeeper in the 0-0 tie at Philly. And then two losses. And then two losses, yeah. I mean, again, the Colorado one, eh, it actually was kind of his fault that that goal went in. Obviously, other people had screwed up on that play, but 
everybody I talk to online that we're the former goalkeepers and understand it. I don't I won't pretend I know what your the positioning the goalkeeper is supposed to have, but my general understanding of the rules is you protect the near post you know, first and foremost, and he let it in near post against uh, Colorado and Rubio scored. So not a good run from Tim after the 0-0 against Philly. And that was probably a tired Philly team who's in the middle of Champions League, which, by the way, they've advanced to the semifinals of Champions League to face LAFC. So at least one MLS team is going to the CONCACAF Champions League finals against a Liga MX team. I was going to ask, with Tim Milia, do you think he's still recovering from his injury? And maybe that's why he's a little bit slower? Gosh, I would hope not. Uh, like he said in the post game after the Philly draw, he had not played basically since last summer. So now he could have a lack of sharpness. I was just excusing Polito, who hadn't played in over a year for his lack of sharpness on the bad touch. So maybe there's a lack of sharpness, but I don't know. Can you pick that up in practice? Can we let one of these young guys go again? I I like Timmy. Super nice. But I do too. Try, try something else, right? It, it clearly isn't working. I don't even know that really any of these goals are his fault in this game. I'm trying to think of what happened on the third goal right now because I've I've blocked it all out. But the first one, he gets left in a bad spot there by his defense. And the second one's a penalty kick, which is a really low percentage chance that you're going to say. We're picking on him, but it's because he set the bar so high. He's been so good at stopping penalty kicks. Not that Pools Camp seems to be very good at PKs either. I haven't ever seen him be impressive there, but maybe maybe he'll figure it out. I don't know. It's all so bad. Ugh. Can I talk about something that you glossed over that I want to go back to? Sure. Daniel Shallowy. So you said, hey, why didn't he get a penalty call? And I agree with you. We can't blame the ref for this game. I thought there was a few plays early in the game where he probably should have given out some yellows to San Jose. But in the grand scheme of things, it probably wouldn't have mattered. Maybe, yeah. maybe somebody gets a second yellow and or they play the game differently because they're on a yellow card. Maybe he also misidentified and gave a yellow to Zussi, which should have been Tommy's. And then they switched it. And I, I need to watch a replay on it because what I saw, it looked like Tommy and Zussi collided with each other and not yeah. the San Jose player at all. I thought that was a bizarre yellow. Like they both knocked each other down and then the San Jose player fell too. And maybe he clipped a heel or something that I just missed. But I, I didn't think that, I think it's Tim Ford was the referee. I don't think he had a very good game. And the, no, the glaring part of the <laughs> the glaring part of the game to me was the shallow we play so he's in the box he's beaten his guy he makes a pass to Agata, and right as he passes the ball, the the player, uh, I don't know how to say his name, Acapo, something like that, their fullback, he slides through his legs, and he kind of like scissors through his legs. He takes him down. If you push somebody in the box and knock them to the ground, even if they don't have the ball anymore, a foul in the box is a penalty, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if they were like, oh, well, it's an advantage because Agata got the ball. Oh, the better advantage is let me take a penalty kick where we're 80% chance that we're going to score a goal. Well, <laughs> Uh, maybe not based on the two penalties that were taken earlier this year. But statistically, it's about an 80% chance that you're going to score from the penalty spot. So it wouldn't have mattered. They were down 3 nothing at that time. But it, it was bizarre to me that they didn't give it. That would have been a yellow card. I don't think I'm looking for somebody to blame because like, even if the refs had got those calls, maybe it changes the game a little bit on how San Jose plays if those players are on yellows. And there was a PK, but ultimately this team, they stink right now. Like they're awful and it's like, it's everyone. It's not like, you know, at first it was the offense. Now it's the offense and the defense and the midfield. It's everybody on the field and it's surprising. And I think this is why like every week, maybe there's just a little bit of hope at the beginning of the game because the players themselves individually, we have really good players, but they just are not connecting. And they're not really smooth with the ball either. Like there's been times they take the ball down like from the air and then there's like a huge gap and there's always somebody on the other team there to get the ball when somebody brings it down. And I don't know. It's every week. It's they give up. They're passing to the wrong team. The crosses aren't getting to who they need to get to. They're going to the other team. It's the same issues. And I just don't even know at this point, it, it's not Ben Sweat. It's most of the injured people have come back with the exception of Kinda and, and Dembe because he didn't come in today, right? No, and Dembe was on the bench. And I have to think that the plan was probably to get him a few minutes if there weren't a red card situation. Uh, also still missing Leibold, who's probably the starting left back, as well as Nemanja Radoya, the starting defensive midfielder. So that's potentially four starters right there you're still missing. So I know people are tired of it, but hopefully it would make I... a difference if they have everybody back. But it's going to take them so dang long to get into form, it's going to be over by the time they get going. Yeah. So they don't want to no... have... A, go 
Well, there, is there any timelines for like Leibold and Bredoya? I haven't heard anything about I them. I haven't heard anything for those two. They've just been out on the injury report each week. But Kenda's back in practice. For me, he's called it full, full practice this week. That's a new version of practice. Somebody on Twitter said to me, next thing we know that we'll find out these other guys are in super secret practice. You know, like <laughs> there's there's all the, you know, he's the four phases of practice, full, full practice. Maybe there's full, full, full practice. They just need a third full to really be in there. Also, what about Caden Pierre? I don't feel like we've heard anything about him either. Yeah, same for him. He has not been anywhere but just out listed as out. I think he was doing jogging in the background of a video that my colleague Cody Bradley from Kansas City Soccer Journal, KCSoccerJournal.com, posted the other day when Ndembe was back in training. Pierre was running in the background. So at least hopefully that's a, a good sign that he's closer. Because if you're mad about stuff, it'd be nice to have some other options on the bench to go to. But uh, I want to talk about tactics. I mean, we can complain and vent about this as much as we want. But I want to look at like what's going wrong in each individual game and see if something can be fixed. And something new that Peter Vermees tried, which I liked in theory, was he flipped Felipe Hernandez and Eric Tommy in the midfield. You know, it doesn't seem like that would make much difference. But Tommy was on the right. And Hernandez was on the left. And I was like, okay, maybe this will stop the problem where Tommy, Polito, Shallowy, they're all in the exact same part of the field. Like they're not giving each other space. They're going to have more space to work with. And then obviously when a red card happens early in the first half, that kind of screws things up because you don't get a full chance to see how that would have played out. But then if you look at the passing map on MLSsoccer.com, Tommy's right on top of Hernandez because he was constantly still drifting left I kind of alluded to Tommy maybe needs to take a seat and I'm feeling it more and more. Honestly, I thought he had a pretty decent game. Like he was better than I'd seen him be in the last couple of weeks. So maybe he's getting better. Maybe he needs more time to figure out being the right uh, number eight midfielder, you know, the further up midfielder. But I don't know. Something has to give. He couldn't stop himself from going left, although he was quite a bit right at times as well. So at least Peter is trying things, even though people probably looked at that lineup and said, this is the exact same lineup that just lost one nothing to Colorado. But they did try a few wrinkles. You're trying to build some chemistry between your attacking three that are out there a little bit more together. But it all gets thrown into chaos again with the red card. And I feel like it's a built-in excuse too, because Vermees can just say, yeah, the red card kind of ruined everything. I thought things were going the way we wanted them to go, or they're building towards what I wanted. And it's hard to argue with them because you can't really rate what happened after the red card. Though, Sheena, I will say, and I don't know what you felt about this. Sporting didn't look like the team that was down a man. Like at the end of the first half, they were on fire after the red card. They had chunks in the second half where they were all over San Jose. And I don't know if San Jose just took their foot off the gas because they knew it was well in control. It didn't feel like they were trying to put the game away. And then they tried for like two seconds, scored a third goal. And it was, you know, pretty much all over from there. They just subbed the rest of the guys out that need rest and let guys like Shelton and jean you know, run run things into the ground to end the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's kind of a bummer. I wasn't really impressed with the subs that came on and I get like we weren't going to win the game. But I feel like at that point when you're putting Agata on, I think Agata replaced Felipe Hernandez, right? Yeah, let's talk more about that because you alluded okay. to that earlier. Like what, what did you, th- you said you didn't like the sub. I agree with you. I don't like the sub. What would you have done differently? Or would you have not made any subs? Well, I would have kept Felipe Hernandez on. I would have put, I would have taken Tommy off because he was already on a yellow. So to me, it's like, we don't need to get another yellow, like, or have him get another yellow and be down two players. So he would have been who I had come off. And the only reason I can think of of why he keeps getting to start and isn't being taken off is because Burmese thinks that he is going to be the most likely to create an opportunity. But here we are eight games in, he doesn't have a goal for the season. So he's not really and I don't feel like he's on the cusp either. Like, I think Zussi had better shot, like a better shot in the game than Tommy ever did um, against the earthquakes. So Zussi had a pretty good shot. I I agree with you. That was my take, too, was that if you're going to sub off either of those midfielders, you take off Tommy because he's on the yellow, as you pointed out to me during the game. And then Hernandez is just a he's a motor. He's running all over the place and you don't want to run him into the ground, but he's not played nearly as many minutes as Tommy. So let Tommy rest. Don't make him play against a 10 man team. Maybe again, watching the game from the bench would be good for him. He's been in the vast majority. I mean, he started every single game and he stayed in 
not till the end of all of them, but for the majority of each game, at least. So if you're going to make that switch, which I get, you put Agata on there. There was a few kind of dangerous balls to Agata that they played over the top where he showed that pace and promise that he had last season. Zussi hit him on a really good ball one time. He just couldn't quite get things right. His touch was a little off. It bounced away from him. Admittedly, he was going against multiple defenders alone, but at times he was kind of in behind him and you would have hoped something better would happen. But again, 10 versus 11, the expectations are are kind of low. I just, as soon as it happened, I was like, well, this game's over. I know it's only one nothing. And then it immediately became two nothing after the PK, but it, it felt like it was over at the red card and it's hard to, to weigh too heavily anything that happened after that point. I did see a take. Actually, you read this to me, Sheena, because I'm refusing to go into the comments of the match thread for the game. You read uh, David, my colleague over at KC Soccer Journal. He said, this is it. They took off Polito for Fontas. I'm out. Fire Vermees. I was like, this is this is the thing that put you over maybe, the top? I was like, it's maybe it's a, like this is the final straw. Like the season yeah. has been a, a hot mess, like dumpster fire. And that was just like the final straw. Who knows? Honestly, I had no reaction to that because I thought you need to put on another defender. Your only chance is if you can play some decent defense and maybe hit some long attacking counters. But to make Polito play in a 10-man side, you're going to wear him out. He's not played 90 minutes yet. He's not fully fit yet. Agata is fresh. Bring him off the bench later, you know, at halftime. I kind of got the halftime sub, even if I disagreed with it being Hernandez they took off, because if you make a sub at the half, it doesn't count as one of your sub windows. You have two more windows for the second half. So I thought that kind of made some sense. And then, yeah, you need, you need to have a fully functional back line and Polito's probably not going to do anything when it's only a 10-man side. Why why run him into the ground? He I just thought it was a funny a funny reply to say, this is the thing that makes me want to fire him. There's plenty of other things you could be mad at Peter Vermees, you know, like the lack of any wins through eight games, uh, you know, kind of the inconsistency over the last few years. Sure. But this one thing, eh, I don't know. I, I wasn't worked up about it. Well, I feel like where I think it's a doing a disservice to Felipe Hernandez is just like we're leaving Robert Volodair on to, you know, he's a young player and he's getting minutes and he's going to get better each time he plays. Like we should be doing the same for Felipe Hernandez. And I was fine with them bringing Polito off because he wasn't doing anything on the field. So I just, overall, I'm not impressed with him. I don't think he's the saving grace everyone thinks he is. I think he shouldn't be on the team next season. And I was fine with him coming off. I wasn't fine with them like taking Felipe Hernandez off. I won't disagree. You could be right on literally all those things about Polito, but I would say, you know, he missed well over a year I, of no, soccer action. I don't care. Even beforehand, like he had his moments, but like he's injured too much. I just, let's get some healthy young blood. I, I think before the season, I think I was saying I would take Dom Dwyer back. I'm still not against that. He I see him on Instagram working out all the time. And here's one other thing that I'm kind of surprised by, and maybe they've been instructed not to say anything outside of like these press meetings or whatever. But like, I feel like if I was disappointing my fan base, I would go onto social media and say something like, I promise you we're trying our best. Like, it's a kind of radio silence from, from the players. And maybe they've been instructed to, but I don't know. It just... Even in that press conference with Peter Vermees that we watched, he just looked like sounded defeated. He had no energy. The team has no energy. Nobody has confidence right now. And I feel like the only way you change that is you make changes to coaching, to players. Like we have, I think, the summer window to maybe get some new players. So something has to change because with the current lineup and the current stuff, like nothing is happening. And Nobody should be okay with these results. I understand why fans are upset and why like we're upset. And it just doesn't feel like anything is changing. Everyone just seems so lifeless. All right. Well, if y'all want more depressing takes, you can go to last week's episode <laughs> of the podcast because we we kind of broke a lot of those subjects mm-hmm. that Sheena talked about down a little more detail. I'm not going to rehash or repeat all that no. stuff. Go listen to that last week's episode if y'all want to talk about that. Let's talk about, let's end this sporting talk conversation uh, with... They're playing the New England Revolution this next weekend, April 22nd on Saturday. They're on the road. The Revolution are first in the Eastern Conference. I'm sure that will go very well. Then the U.S. Open Cup starts the middle of next week against an amateur team. If they can't score against Tulsa Athletic, we we burn it all down. And then I mean, the following wait, weekend. Hold on. 
how good do you feel if you're the Tulsa Athletics? Like you might legit think you have a chance of moving forward in this cup. Save this for Thursday's pod, Sheena. Save it for Thursday. We'll be back Thursday. We'll preview uh, the upcoming both of the games. and Well, probably not the athletic game. We'll cover that on the weekend pod. So two a week. We're going to try to do it. I, I was too depressed to do a second one last week. We went super long on the first one. So let's try not to do that. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more For the Glory, Casey. And we are back. All right, let's talk about the Kansas City Current. So we also watched this game in the morning because we were at the UFC. So they played the Chicago Red Stars, lost 4-2. to two. It was a bit of a, a wild one. Um, it was, gosh, it just felt the, like the epitome of Kansas City soccer. Michelle Cooper got a breakaway, stole the ball, our rookie number two overall pick. Stole the ball, gets down. She's got defenders on her heels, but she's one-on-one with the keeper and... Missed the net. <laughs> and then, what was it, like less than a minute, two minutes later, Chicago comes back and they score immediately to never give up the lead. They got up one nothing, and then it, it kind of went from there. What were your overall thoughts, Sheena? I know that you were mostly just uh, looking and scrolling social media by the time I'd switched to the current game because the sporting game had you kind of bummed out, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I and I was on like a social media silence because we hadn't watched the game. So I had a lot of catching up to do. And I was playing with our foster pup who goes up for adoption tomorrow. So if anyone's looking for a really adorable, needy puppy, let us know. But yeah, I didn't watch a ton of the game. I did see Michelle Cooper miss that goal, which is crazy because she was all by herself and she should have had a goal. But yeah, it felt very similar to Sporting Kansas City where they just lots of missed opportunities. At least Casey Curran is scoring goals so that we have that going for us. But it should have been a more, I think, competitive game considering Mallory, what's her new last name? Swanson. Yeah, Mallory Swanson was out due to the injury she got during the women's national team game, I think earlier in the week. So I think we felt a little more like hopeful, but yeah, just there's something in the water in KC soccer right now. And only KC Sporting Kansas City 2 is drinking the good water. The other two, they got dirty <laughs> yeah, we'll water. Get, we'll get to SKC 2 here in a, in a few minutes. So uh, a few observations kind of from the current game, because I was watching it a lot more closely than Sheena was. So it was first starts for new superstar signing Dabinia, as well as Vanessa DiBernardo and Izzy Rodriguez made a start. She played kind of left center back. It was, I don't want to get too tactical and nerdy with y'all, but it was set up on the graphic as a back five and Haley Mace did appear to be playing kind of left wing back for a while, but then Mace was literally all over the field. At one point she popped up at right wing. She was kind of up at left wing. She was drifting in the middle of the field, but then at times she would run back and play defense and even Izzy would go way up the field, which is not something you see a center back do very often. So I'm not sure if it was fully a back five slash back three, whatever you want to call it. And more of a back four where Mace just kind of comes and covers sometimes as like a, a wide midfielder, uh, an amoeba player. She's all over the place. She just goes wherever, like an amoeba, right? That, that amoeba defense they have in the NFL. All right, so a few other kind of call-outs from the game that stood out to me was the team was missing nine players. Nine players! Ugh, what is happening to players here in Kansas City? Is it training in the cold? Is it this winter that never seems to end? CeCe Kaiser was missing. She was given an excused absence for personal reasons. She's one of the best scorers on the team. They're missing quite a few other players, not in practice, where Kristen Hamilton, who is a machine and maybe was a big driving force behind this team last year, new signing Morgan Gautreaux, Still, Elizabeth Ball is out. Desiree Scott is out. Quite a few other players. One positive note on the injury front is Mallory Weber, who had a season-ending knee injury last year. She is upgraded to questionable, so she did not play in this game, but she's getting closer to coming back. And then the team actually signed a new player as well this week because they're so shorthanded on defenders that they went out and they signed Croy Soto. Apologies, Croy, if I'm saying your name wrong. But she's a center back, and she got to sub into the game. She actually played for a few minutes. Sheena, you want to jump in on any of this before I make some other observations? I don't want to just run you over on the current game that you half-watched. Yeah, the only other thing I was going to mention is Dabinia scored her first goal. So that was exciting. It was a pretty good goal. Chicago Fire, I think it was their last goal, was a pretty beautiful goal. Well, the Chicago Fire, hopefully they didn't play against them because that would uh, be very fair. The Stars, yeah. <laughs> the, the, red, the Red the Stars. 
stars. The red stars. The red stars. Sorry. <laughs> I just had the, I'm still thinking of MLS and Sporting Kansas City. But yes, the Red Stars, their last goal, I believe it was, was pretty beautiful, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that was a rookie forward that scored twice in that game. She had a brace, oh, and that yeah. last one was, mm-hmm. was really good. Uh, I'll point out a few things that I observed from the game. So going into the season, I said, man, this midfield and this forward line, it is stacked. They're going to score goals left and right. And they did show a little glimpse of that as they got a few of these players involved. And again, this is only their third game. But the weird thing about saying this is only their third game is that the game, the season's only 22 games long. They don't have nearly as much time to be wasting as Sporting Kansas City. They're eight games into their season, and they're they're not too far off in terms of the percentage of games played. It's kind of wild to think about because they play a 34-game season. But anyways, the broadcast, video assistant referees have come to the NWSL, which I'm all for VAR. I love getting the play right. But my gosh, was VAR a nightmare in this game? It, not that they, I don't oh, know that yeah. they made any bad calls, but it was just handled so poorly. So there was a potential handball. I think it was a M- Michelle Cooper shot. I'd like to tell yeah. you, but I didn't rewind. And they literally never showed the replay. Like, hey, I think that's that Cooper not had, fair. They did show the VAR over the shoulder of the VAR yeah. looking at the replay on four different yeah. screens. Yeah. That's on yeah. you for not watching it close enough. <laughs> I, I literally got up and walked closer to the television going, can I see what's happening on this? I was So instead of showing the broadcast, like the audience, the replay, they showed the VAR watching the replay over her shoulder on four tiny monitors. Like they were probably big to her, but they look small because the framing had the, the lady in the shot too. And then they showed the ref touching his ear over and over. Like he's listening to the conversation they're having about the replay. Show me the freaking replay. Like, did it hit her hand? I have no clue. Was her hand at her side? Was her hand in an unnatural position? I don't know. Because I would have had to rewind and watch it live manually. Which, by the way, the broadcast camera, I don't know if it's just uh, something about playing in Bridgeview or whatever it is that the, the Red Stars play, but that camera was so far zoomed out. Like, I felt like I couldn't see very well. When they would get to the close angles, it was fine. But, like, the, the regular match angle felt further away. I don't know. We were I... watching on a smaller television. So maybe oh, that's all boy. it was. No, I feel like CBS has really failed with these NWSL games, or maybe it's the NWSL failing, but I don't know. I mean, CBS, Paramount Plus, they're running the broadcast. It's on them, right? Yeah. uh, The the league probably has a part in it, but it's not their fault. Yeah, because there was that first game game, where... Yeah, we've seen there's been some sort of weird issue. First, it was the volume of the mics. Then now this, the VAR, like their replays... They're not showing them. And they were taking a really long time too, which is fine. But some of those that they were taking a while on seemed pretty clear. So I don't know. Yeah. Every single time a goal was scored, there was like a minute delay before they restarted the match. And you could really feel it when they added seven minutes of stoppage. I was like, why is there seven minutes? I was like, oh, that's right. There was, you know, whatever it was, five goals in the second half. And they reviewed them for all like a minute each. Even the ones that I was like, what are they reviewing? It's so clearly not offside or so clearly no no foul or anything had happened. I hope they get better at it. It's off to a rough start. In the end, it's just most important to get the calls right. So hopefully they got all the calls right and that's kind of, we can kind of leave it at that. Talking about the game itself, I had a couple observations. I feel bad, but poor Jenna Weinbrenner. She played center back for the second game in a row. She's just getting killed out there. She's getting burned left and right. She She's being forced to play because of so many injuries, right? They're missing so much talent. They lost some people in the offseason. They tried to not replace, or they tried, who knows, they might have tried to replace them, but they didn't. We got a rookie out there. We got a second-year player out there, and they are just getting run roughshod. She, she had a bad step on the second goal, and that second goal kind of, Felt like it put the game away a little bit. She's keeping players on side. She's not in line with her other defenders. A lot of new players playing together back there, and the formation keeps kind of shifting. So it could be just they they don't have it all worked out, but a, a tough game for Jenna, which I feel bad because she's she seems super nice in all interactions that I've had with her. But you can't you can't look past if they're playing bad, they're playing bad. And maybe it's time for somebody else to start at center back instead of Jenna. And my other observation, Sheena, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Izzy Rodriguez, she got her first start of the season. She played left center back when she usually plays left back, but she she may have been playing left back, as I alluded to before. She took, I think, one set piece the entire game, and it was almost a goal. She found Chardonnay Kern on the back post, and her header just went wide. And then for the rest of the game, she did not take any corners, free kicks, whatever. It was okay when Dabinia took one or two, because I'm like, yeah, it's Dabinia. She's freaking amazing. You should let that happen. But then Haley Mace took a bunch of the corners, and they did this like 
short corner routine like three times in a row and it wasn't working any of the times. I don't know why they kept repeating what appeared to be the same play. Let Izzy serve the ball in. She's so good. There's something about a left-footed player. The ball just, uh, Daniel Sperry was saying the other day, the ball spins differently when it comes off a left foot versus a right foot. And I hadn't thought about it, but it kind of makes sense. And maybe it's throwing people off, but if she's going to start, she's going to be, honestly, if she's in the game, it's kind of like Felipe Hernandez. If those two are in the game, they should be taking the set pieces. And it blows my mind that they're not. I don't know if it's a, she's a second year player. Felipe's still quote unquote, a young guy. I think he's like 24. He's not that young, but is it the, the veterans get, you know, preference over these young people? I don't know, but I don't like it. And I think they're, they're missing an opportunity. Well, I feel like this is a, this comment could be applied to both teams, sporting and KC current. If your more senior players aren't delivering the ball well or not playing well, you need to switch it up. Like, Both teams have a losing record. And at this point, you need to do whatever necessary to to try to win some games. So yeah, have Felipe Hernandez, have Izzy Rodriguez, like just try it, especially because they're both, it seems like really good at doing that. I don't, it shouldn't matter how old you are or how much experience you have, whoever's the best person on the field to be taking those should be it. And I, I just don't understand that. Yeah. As coach Matt Potter of the KC Current says, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So she's good enough to start. Let her take those set pieces. I don't mind if it's Dabinia on a good, dangerous free kick. That's her thing. But if it should be a left-footed person taking it, especially, get Izzy out there. Let her do it. One more thing about the current. Uh, Alex Loera was also not in the game. She uh, had some sort of procedure. The team was kind of vague about it. Basically, she had an injury that was bothering her of some sort. I think it's her foot, but I'm not 100% certain. And she's going to be out, quote, a while, unquote. So that's a bit of a bummer because she was one of the bright spots on the team. She delivers a delightful set piece ball too. So that will be missed. She can play center back, which they need center back. She can play defensive midfielder, which they kind of need those. Yeah, the team, nine injuries. Like I said, it's crazy to have so many people missing, but the current will be back in action. We'll, we'll, uh, pop up to preview more of this, but we're going to miss the preview of the challenge cup because there is a challenge cup game this week on Wednesday at Houston, 6 30. You can watch that on Paramount Plus, I believe. I should have double-checked that. And then they'll be back next week, and we'll preview this game against the Orlando Pride on Sunday at 4 p.m. Sheena, any other KC current thoughts before we talk SKC2? Let's just go into SKC2 because I need something to cheer me up. All right. Well, if you are an MLS Season Pass subscriber and you're not watching Sporting Kansas City 2, let's get on that. Let's start doing that right away because they have won twice since we last came to you. They won a game right as we were recording the podcast last week. Actually, we recorded and then completely forgot to talk about it. Recorded right after we watched that game. Uh, They beat LAFC 2 by the score of 2-1. to In that game, it's six Sporting KC players on loan. Cam Duke, Ozzy Cisneros, Chris Rindolf, Danny Flores, Kendall McIntosh, and Jake Davis. I should have wrote their first names down. I just had their last names listed here, and then I because I stuttered. So they played pretty good, two one. You know they're up two nothing. They gave up a late goal, made it a little nervy. If you thought that was just okay though, ooh, they came back this past Friday and they played the Salt Lake City Monarchs, the Real Salt Lake's uh, MLS Next Pro team. Beat them four to nothing. Ooh, yeah. Uh, They did not have any SKC uh, Sporting Kansas City first team players in the lineup as starters. Off the bench, though, uh, Cisneros, Flores, and Davis all came in all pretty late, though. The goals had already all been scored. They scored some amazing goals. Sebastian Cruz, who's formerly of the SKC Academy and signed a pro contract, he scored a banger. He had an assist later in the game. Uh, Lucas Rosa, their right back, he, he's played pretty much every minute. They subbed him off late, probably just because they were up by so much, let him get a little bit of a rest. He came in, he scored an amazing goal, and they had a couple other goals too. Their striker, Pau Vidal, who's come over from Spain, if I'm remembering right, he scored in the third straight game. He's got a goal in three straight games. So pretty awesome. Sporting KC2 look really good. This is his second year under head coach Benny Failhaber, and I already saw people online saying, Benny, he's trying to audition for the first team coaching job. And I will tell you, we talked to Benny last year, and I said kind of like, what's your long-term goal in coaching, Benny? And he said, to take Peter's job, I want to coach the first team. And I was like, what does Peter think about that? And he goes, no, he wants me to be competitive and try to you know strive and be my best. But I think people were kind of saying it jokingly. I jokingly said it to some people online. Like, look, he's two in a row. He's trying to get that first team job. But I I don't think some people are joking. I think some people want that to happen. But watch Sporting KC2, everybody. 
They have been an absolute delight the last couple of weeks. They're two one and one now in the season. And that one draw was a penalty kick shootout win. So they got two points for that. Oh, yeah. I remember that game from a couple of weeks ago. That was really exciting. I will say I would take Benny Philhopper as the coach. I love his passion. Well, at least as a player, I don't know that I've really seen it just because I haven't watched as many SKC2 games. But the other thing I was saying to you a little bit earlier is that we should just replace the first team with the second team and get the second team out on the MLS field and let's build them up at this point. Like, why not? We're already sinking. We might as well do whatever and start preparing for next season, which I know a few episodes ago, you were mad that I was thinking about next season. But it feels like at this point, even if we slip through the cracks and somehow get one of those playoff positions, like it, it's still a bad season overall. Like, I don't know. So we might as well just try whatever and see what happens. Yeah, I may be a few games away from try whatever, but I, I definitely think little tweaks here or there. Keep trying to do something, make it work. 26 games to go, <laughs> lots of MLS action to happen. So time for the digital crawl, y'all. All right. Uh, so Sporting Kansas City 2, speaking of them, they've made five signings in the last couple of weeks, and we didn't cover any of them. My apologies. You got Victor Diaz, a defensive midfielder that joined the team. They added a couple Honduran forwards, Kenny Martinez and Alenis Vargas. I'm probably butchering these guys' names. Sorry about that, y'all. And then they added a couple Sporting Kansas City Academy contracts. So these guys are still amateur players. They still maintain like their college eligibility, things like that. They're basically playing for free. Uh, Carlito Ceylon, he's a goalkeeper. And then Jacob Bartlett, I believe, is a defender. Carlito was on the team for sure last year. I think Bartlett may have been too. I'm not sure if they got a lot of time. But I remember uh, Carlito playing in the last game of the season against St. Louis City too and they he like won a penalty kick shootout at the end of the game so he's supposed to be really promising he's like 16 years old real young guy lots of good goalkeeping talent it seems like in the pipeline at Sporting KC they have another guy that they have signed Matthew Hudson that's also in their pipeline that's hasn't neither of these guys have played any games this year but you never know Maybe they'll, they'll get a chance to get on the field. Speaking of Sporting KC2, there's a former SKC2 slash Academy player, Matteo Bunbury. I was really bummed when the team let him go last year. He asked to be released because he wanted a first team contract. And they didn't give it to him. Love to see him playing right wing now as a backup instead of Kyrie. Sorry, Kyrie. Uh, but he joined the Columbus crew too on loan. He plays for Birmingham in the USL championship, but he's coming up to, well, it's actually technically down, but you know, you never know when you play in an MLS next pro team you're kind of auditioning to play on the first team so maybe there's going to be a purchase option in there now let's talk some women's soccer here the ol reign of the national women's soccer league they are for sale you'll know them as a competitive team always fighting for championships megan rapino on that club you know uh, Michelle King, she's the owner of the Washington Spirit. She bought OL Reign's parent club, Lyon, in France. And because of that, they are going to sell off the OL Reign underneath them because obviously Kang cannot own two NWSL teams, probably a bit of a, a conflict of interest. So it's kind of sad. The, the Reign have been sold a few times. They used to be the Seattle Reign. Maybe someone like the Sounders ownership or somebody will step in and pick them up. But it would be a big loss if they got moved. The commissioner of the NWSL, Jessica Berman, she did say that she said moving is like a last resort. So hopefully it's a pretty soccer mad area. Like they're pretty excited about soccer in Seattle. So I would hope that they will do something to keep the rain up there. Speaking of soccer mad, y'all, Lionel Messi, there's a rumor now that him and his former teammate, Sergio Busquets, they played together at Barcelona, that they want to retire together and play on their last club together. And they've narrowed it down to two options, either Barcelona again or Inter Miami. So, Sheena, it's still on the table that we might have to go to that Sporting KC Miami game if Messi signs this summer. So we should look up and see when the game is. Hopefully, whenever it is, it's after uh, Messi would have been on the team and be hopefully ready to go. W wouldn't it be a bummer if he's like, okay, he signs with Miami. We're like, yes, we're going to book a vacation. We're going to go to Miami because like, how do you not go see Messi? This might be your only chance to see him in the States. And then he's like, oh, it's like a sporting situation. He's not quite fit enough. So we're not playing him yet. You know, <laughs> Like that sort of nonsense. How pissed off would you be? 
that would be annoying, but I really think that it's cute that Messi and this other guy, Sergio, want to retire together and play one last hurrah together on a team. I think it's adorable. I'm sure that's what they were going for, being adorable. <laughs> they got a bromance I'm sure. going. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. All right. Oh, Sheena, you said you had an item for the digital crawl. What did you have for us? Yeah, well, we didn't experience this, but it sounds like based off of what I read um, about like the recaps of games and stuff, last night Apple TV crashed during the Sporting Kansas City-San Jose earthquake game. And so that's interesting. I, I'm kind of glad in hindsight that we were at UFC because you would have been pissed off if, and panicking if the game went out. Although I don't know at what point in the night the game went out. So maybe it would have been a relief if, you know, it went Yeah, at least out. I don't have to watch any more of this <laughs> yeah. painful loss that's happening. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what Apple TV was going for. They didn't want to break any more Kansas City fans' hearts. So they just pulled the plug for us. Thanks, Apple, I guess. Yeah, I didn't experience it. But I would have been pissed because when you're paying for a service, even though that game was free, it wasn't behind the paywall. When you're paying for something, you expect it to work. And, you know, we've we've come to have high expectations for some of our technology. And I think Apple has done a, a pretty good job overall. The app is a little glitchy sometimes on this, the day after when we're trying to watch games back. I don't know if you heard me in here, Sheena, when I was trying to watch a clip. It just kept playing the same couple seconds of the match over and over. It's like, I'm going crazy. Why can't I fast forward? And I had my VPN on, which was apparently causing a problem. So it's technically, um, I guess, my fault. Anyways, we have, one, that. <laughs> we have one last item in the digital crawl. Our friend Thomas at Smith of Snow on Twitter sent us this. Thank you, Thomas. That it was the 27th anniversary of Digital Takiwara doing the digital crawl for the first time. So Happy 27th anniversary. That would have been the first game ever. I believe he scored two goals in that game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when the Kansas City Wizards won their first ever MLS game. And we've kindly stolen the name Digital Crawl to use for our quick news segment. Is he available to play? I would take him right now. I'm going to guess Digital's pretty old <laughs> since that was 27 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but I, I, I guess, mean, you know, get the goals where like you can get the goals, right? Players. Peter Vermees That's true. Peter, players, so Peter put himself in before then. Peter Peter played after <laughs> digital, so he'll probably put he'll probably sub himself in. But center back <laughs> forward, you know, he's done it all. So Oh, all right, y'all. Well, as always, if you have somehow made it this far all the way to the end, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your Kansas City soccer friends, come commiserate with us together. Sorry, I sound happy again. I, I truly am not happy about the losing. Trust me. But just search for the Glory KC wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to give this show the five star rating and review. It helps other people find it. We know for sure you can rate it on Spotify and oh. Apple Podcasts. Did we get a Chad, review? Chad, we got a review. I think it was earlier in the week from Laffrey. Sorry, I'm probably butchering that name. But it says, my husband and I also came to the area from Arizona. So we feel a particular kinship with the host Sheena and Chad. Actually, she wrote Chad and Sheena or he. We are quote unquote casual fans and really appreciate the insight and perspectives without getting too over our heads with very technical focused discussions. Definitely recommend the follow. Uh, welcome from Arizona to Missouri or Kansas. I guess you could be in either city or state rather. I mean, um, they could be anywhere, but yeah, I like that. I Thank you. Well, I mean, they said they just moved here from Arizona, so that's why they like us because fellow Arizonians like each other. Maybe you'll find them on your Bef app and then you guys oh, can God. be best friends. <laughs> I do need friends. It's a running joke that I need friends. So yes, yeah. so if you're looking for friends and you don't know anyone, let me know. All right, there you go. You know what? How you can let us know? You can follow us on social media for the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can email us for the Glory KC at gmail.com. You can follow me at Play for Ninety on Twitter. And to play us out, here's Christian Leo with Write It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody. Bye.